Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well. I'm thrilled to be with you today. And we are in the octave of ascension and three days from Pentecost. Um, it's the most fantastic holy day. Well, it's not more fantastic than our Lord's resurrection, but his ascension into heaven um, uh, really completed uh, the mysteries, his incarnation, then his passion and death for us, then his resurrection, and then the ascension completed the whole cycle of his coming to earth for the purpose that he would be the Lamb of God who would die for us, take the penalty of sin that we caused, that caused our separation from God, and bring us back to God. And by his ascension, uh, as he promised the disciples, he said, I will go away, but I will come, I will be with you always. And it would be on the vigil of Pentecost that he would pour out his spirit on us. And as I mentioned yesterday, I believe um, he gave to his people, Israel, the vocation of being his witnesses to the whole world. You shall be my light to the nations, Gentiles, same word, um, but they failed. Repeatedly, they failed. And when they met for the Jewish Feast of Pentecost in Hebrew, Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks, uh, S-H-A-V-U-O-T, Shavuot, um, is the Feast of Weeks. And in the Greek, uh, to the English, it is Pentecost. Um, it's a Jewish uh, holiday or holy day uh, when all the Jews were together at Jerusalem for the harvest, and they did that. And on that gathering of Pentecost, which is also the birthday of Judaism, in we used to sing growing up uh, Simchas Torah, the rejoicing over the law, Torah, law, Simchas, rejoicing, the law that God gave to the Hebrew people through Moses on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, which now he gives to the whole world actually the natural law that he put on our hearts uh, that he now carved in stone. So when the Jewish people gathered on Pentecost, uh, it was for the feast of Shavuot or Pentecost, same word, um, uh, for the wheat harvest and also for rejoicing over the law, which was considered and is considered the birthday, the birth of Judaism. And so on Pentecost, on the Jewish feast of Pentecost, our Lord, who came through the Jews, for the Jews, in order that the whole world would be saved through the Jewish Messiah, uh, on the Feast of Pentecost, <clears throat> he poured out his spirit um, on those thousands at Pentecost. And what had been the birthday of the church, uh, rather the birthday of Judaism, uh, 1,500 years before, became the birthday of the church. The church is Judaism fulfilled in her Messiah, and spread to the four corners of the earth. And again, now, 
uh, he said to the disciples, um, go now, go now. You shall now be my witnesses. I asked you to be my witnesses for uh, 1,500 years, but you have continued to fail. But now you will be. Not, I'm just simply asking you. I'm giving, I'm pouring my spirit, my power into you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the utter ends of the earth. That was the beginning of the church. And people say, well, the Jews rejected God. No, we wouldn't be here today if they rejected God. God has always worked through a remnant. Uh, throughout the entire Old Testament, he boiled everything down to a remnant. And so... Um, um, so Pentecost is the beginning of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, which is the English word for kahal. The Hebrew word kahal in the Old Testament means God's called out ones. And in the New Testament uh, language, uh, in the Greek of our Lord's day, uh, kahal is ecclesia. It is still the called out ones. It is his church spread through the four corners of the earth on just a few thousand Jews. And now we have uh, billions of people who I remember Peter Kreef said, how is it that 12 uh, Jewish disciples converted uh, the world and a half a billion Catholics cannot repeat the feat, see, because they gave their all. They understood the call to bring the gospel to the four corners of the world and to every single creature. And it's because of Pentecost, beloved, um, when God filled us with his Holy Spirit. So I am, uh, it's, it's Thursday, three days before Pentecost, and I am so looking forward to Sunday, to the celebration of that glorious, glorious day, uh, the birthday of the church, and um, uh, the pouring out of God's Spirit, and we are praying here the oldest novena to the Holy Spirit because the novena, novena means nine. It was uh, for the days that the disciples with the Blessed Mother awaited um, the coming of the Spirit. And so we here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, have been praying the novena, uh, which ends on Saturday, the Vigil of Pentecost. And I know many of you are also praying a novena. Um, and asking our Lord to do great, great, great works uh, of his power uh, this Pentecost on to transform the world uh, through whatever means he, in his wisdom and love, knows best. Um, he's already done a tremendous miracle uh, last week on the solemnity of the Ascension by raising the foundress of the Benedictines of Mary, mother of the apostles from the dead, her complete body, um, habit, everything, absolutely intact. It has just brought joy to the world. They are a traditional order. Um, and um, in the midst of God's attack on, not God's attack, forgive me, on, on the Vatican and others, on the uh, traditional mass, God has done this uh, to show his approval. So um, I'm just thrilled. I can't stop talking about it. Um, I want to read Don Prosper, Gary and Jay's um, message on the vigil of Pentecost, uh, which is Saturday. 
And I want to tell you that it is the tradition of the church for 2,000 years to fast before such a holy day. So, beloved, Saturday, uh, uh, at least until the vigil, until the evening, uh, should be spent fasting. Uh, it's not a, 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 an obligation. It's a shame that it's not an obligation. People don't even know they should fast before such uh, on, on such a vigil, but we should. We should fast this Saturday, beloved, and then from Saturday night on, celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, Don uh, Prosper Garanger, who wrote this in 1870, and restored the Benedictine order and Gregorian chant to France and Europe. Um, it begins, O King of glory, Lord of hosts, who didst this day ascend in triumph above all the heavens. Leave us not orphans, but send upon us the spirit of truth promised by the Father. Alleluia. And he begins, dazzling splendor of tomorrow's solemnity. Now, it's because he's writing on the vigil. So we say the dazzling splendor of Sunday's solemnity forecasts its beauty on this day of its vigil, which is Saturday. The faithful are preparing themselves by fasting to celebrate the glorious mystery. Now I'm going to interrupt uh, Don Geringer's writing to say that Monday, as most know, is Memorial Day. Many people are taking off Friday to have a four-day weekend of celebration. I would beg you, if you are Catholic, don't put a, a national holiday ahead of God's holy day. Don't do that. Sunday is a, one of the greatest holy days of the year, and Saturday is one of the great vigils of the year. And the vigil incorporates the entire day, not just the evening, the entire day. Make it a wonderful celebration by having your family understand what is Pentecost and fast on that day to await, as did the Blessed Mother and the disciples, the coming of the Holy Spirit on Sunday and make sure you're at Mass. That is a holy obligation. And celebrate uh, the love of God who has come to us in such a way. Again, I will reread this first sentence. The dazzling splendor of Sunday solemnity forecasts its beauty on the day of its vigil. That's this Saturday. The faithful are preparing themselves by fasting to celebrate the glorious mystery. But the mass of the neophytes, which formerly was said during the night, is now anticipated as on Easter Eve, so that by uh, Sunday's noon, we shall have already begun, rather by today, this, the vigil's noon, we shall have already begun the praises of the Holy Ghost. The office of Vespers in the afternoon will solemnly open the grand festival. The reign of the Holy Spirit is therefore proclaimed by the liturgy of this very day. Let us unite ourselves in spirit with the Holy Ones who are awaiting for the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. Oh, beloved, I pray you will live this. I pray you will teach your family, your children, that this is a billion times more important than Memorial Day or than picnics. We'll be right back after this break. 
Hi, this is Jim Havens, co-founder of the National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood. Some truths are self-evident, some rights are unalienable. It is a scientific fact that life begins at conception fertilization. It is a foundational moral truth that we ought not murder innocent human beings. Every human being is a human person with a right to life and the equal protection of law according to the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Yet we have an ongoing daily mass murder of our little pre-born brothers and sisters. It's time for all men and women of goodwill to rise up together in the public square and say no more. Come join us in Albany, New York on Saturday, June 3rd. Men, let's go first and gather at 9 a.m. for the Men's March. Women, we need you to join us at 10.45 a.m. for the Rally for Personhood outside of the New York State Capitol. We'll have some great speakers along with terrific opportunities for formation and fellowship before and after. Go to themensmarch.com for all the details. See you in Albany. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. It raises the question, I think, for a convert like me or for a cradle Catholic is, why are we seeing the human leadership of the Catholic Church steer the Church in a direction that doesn't seem consistent with Catholicism of the last 1900 years? That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are... um, just at the beginning of an article that I know we will not finish today because at the second break, um, I, I truly wish to go to your calls and your emails. Um, uh, but I want to continue to read as much as we can. It's written in 1870. It's Don Prosper Geringer's um, a homily on the vigil of Pentecost. And of course, the vigil is this Saturday. Pentecost is Sunday, the birthday of the church. It's magnificent. Um, Let me continue with the article. Whilst following the mysteries of the past seasons of the liturgical year, we have frequently been told of the action of the third person of the Blessed Trinity. The lessons read to us from both the Old and New Testament have more than once excited our respectful attention toward this divine spirit who seemed to be shrouded in mystery the time of his being made manifest, not having yet arrived. The workings of God in his creatures do not come all at once. There is a succession of their coming, but come they certainly will. The sacred historian describes how the Heavenly Father, acting through his word, employed six days in arranging into its several parts this world which he had created. But he also tells us, though under the veil of a mysterious expression, 
that the spirit moved over the waters, which the son of God was about to divide from the earth. And I interrupt, beloved, with my own comment here that um, as far as was known in the Old Testament, when the, when the word spoke of the spirit, it meant God because God is spirit. But the um, Old Testament, those who lived under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, did not understand that the spirit uh, indeed is God, but also uh, a full person of the three persons of the one Godhead of the Blessed Trinity. If then, God, uh, Don Geringer says, if then the Holy Ghost's visible reign on our earth was deferred until such time as the man God should be enthroned on the Father's right hand, we must not conclude that this divine spirit has been inactive. What are the sacred scriptures from which the liturgy has selected so many sublime passages for our instruction? What are they but the silent production of him who, as the venerable symbol, has it spoke by the prophets? Uh, it was the symbol of Nicaea and Constantinople. It was he who gave us the word, the wisdom of God, by the scripture who gave us a later period, this same word in the flesh of human nature. He, the Holy Spirit, he has never been a moment of all the past ages without working. Why? He, my own little comment here, because he, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is God. And he never, he always existed because he's God. He didn't come into being because he's God. He has never been a moment of all the past ages without working. He prepared the world for the reign of the incarnate word. He did so by bringing together the various races of once separate nations and by keeping up that universal expectation of a redeemer, which was held alike by the most barbarous and by the most highly civilized. The earth had not as yet heard the name of the Holy Ghost, but nonetheless, he moved over the universe of mankind as he moved over the dead mass of water at the beginning of the world. Meanwhile, the prophets spoke of him in several of the prophecies wherein they foretold the coming of the Son of God. The Lord thus spoke by the lips of Joel, quote, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, End quote. And he said to us through Ezekiel, I will pour upon you clean water and you shall be cleansed from all your filthiness and I will cleanse you from all your idols and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in the midst of you. <clears throat> but previously... To the manifestation of himself, the Holy Ghost was to effect that of the divine word. When infinite power called into existence the body and soul of the future mother of God, it was he that prepared the dwelling for the sovereign majesty by sanctifying Mary from the instant of her conception and taking possession of her as the temple into which the Son of God was soon to enter. When the ever-blessed day of the Annunciation came, 
the archangel declared unto Mary that the Holy Ghost would come upon her and that the power of the Most High would overshadow her. No sooner did the Virgin consent to the fulfillment of the eternal decree than the operation of the Divine Spirit produced within her the most ineffable of mysteries. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Upon this flower <clears throat> that sprang from the branch of the tree of Jesse, upon this humanity divinely produced in Mary, there rested complacently the Spirit of the Father and the Son. He enriched it with his gifts. He fitted it for its glorious and everlasting destiny. He that had so filled the mother with the treasures of his grace, so that it seemed to border on infinity, gave incomparably more to her child. And as ever heretofore, so also then, the Holy Spirit worked these stupendous wonders silently, for the time of his manifestation had not come. The earth is to catch but a glimpse of him on the day of Jesus' baptism, when he will rest with outstretched wings on the head of the well-beloved Son of the Father. The Holy Baptist John will understand the glorious vision as he had felt when yet unborn, the presence of the blessed fruit in Mary's womb. But as to the rest of the bystanders, they saw but a dove, and the dove revealed not his eternal secrets. The reign of the Son of God, our Emmanuel, is established upon its predetermined foundations. In him we have a brother, for he has assumed our weak human nature, a teacher, for he is the wisdom of the Father and leads us into all truth, a physician, for he heals all our infirmities, a mediator, for by his sacred humanity, he brings all creation to its creator. In him, we have a redeemer, and in his blood, our ransom, for sin had broken the link between God and ourselves, and we needed a divine redeemer. In him, we have a head who is not ashamed of his members, however poor they may be, a king whom we have seen crowned with an everlasting diadem, a Lord whom the Lord hath made to sit on his right hand. But if he rules over this earth for all ages, it is from his throne in heaven that he is to rule until the angel's voice is heard proclaiming that time is no more, Revelation chapter 10. <clears throat> and then he will return again to crush the heads of sinners. Meanwhile, long ages are to flow onward in their course, and these ages are to be the reign of the Holy Ghost. But as we learn from the evangelist, the Spirit was not given until such a time as Jesus was glorified. So that our beautiful mystery of the ascension stands between the two divine reigns on earth, the visible reign of the Son of God and the visible reign of the Holy Ghost. Nor is it only the prophets who announce the succession of the second to the first. It is our Emmanuel himself, who during the days of his mortal life heralded 
the approaching reign of the divine spirit. <clears throat> we have not forgotten his words. It is expedient for you, our Lord said, that I go, for if I go not, the paraclete will not come to you. Oh, how much the world must have needed this divine guest, of whom the very Son of God made himself the precursor, and that we might understand how great is the majesty of this new master who is to reign over us. Jesus thus speaks of the awful chastisements which are to befall them that offend him. Whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But he that shall speak against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world or in the world to come. Matthew says that in his Gospel, chapter 12. This divine spirit is not, however, to assume our human nature as did the Son. <clears throat> Neither is he to redeem the world as did the Son. But he is to come among men with a love so immeasurable that we, that woe to them who despise it. It is to him that Jesus intends to confide the church, his spouse, during the long term of her widowhood. To him will he make over his own work that he may perpetuate and direct all its parts. We then, we then, beloved, who are to receive in a few days hence the visit of this spirit of love, who is to renew the face of the earth, we must be all attention as we were at Bethlehem when we were awaiting the birth of our Emmanuel, the Word and the Holy Ghost are co-equal in glory and power, and their coming upon the earth proceeds from the one same eternal and merciful decree of the Blessed Trinity, who by this twofold visit would make us partakers of the divine nature. We, who were once nothingness, <clears throat> once destined to become by the operation of the Word and the Spirit, children of the heavenly father and if we would know what preparation we should make for the visit of the paraclete let us return in thought to the cynical where we left the disciples assembled persevering with one mind in prayer and waiting as their master had commanded them for the power of the most high to descend upon them and arm them for their future combat. Beloved, I know that our break, there's the music for our second break. Um, and when we come back, we'll continue with this tomorrow, God willing. But we will take your calls and your emails for the entire half hour. Our lines at the Station of the Cross are fully open, and our toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back, beloved.
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for May 25th. Today we celebrate Saint Bede the Venerable. Bede is one of the few saints honored as such, even during his lifetime. His writings were filled with such faith and learning that even while he was still alive, a church council ordered them to be read publicly in the churches. Born in England around 672, he showed his scholarly skills from an early age. He became well-versed in philosophy, astronomy, arithmetic, grammar, church history, the lives of the saints, and especially Holy Scripture. From the time of his ordination to the priesthood at 30 until his death, he was occupied with learning, writing, and teaching. In addition to the many books that he copied, he wrote 45 of his own, 30 of them devoted to commentary on the Bible. Although eagerly sought by popes, kings, and other people of power, Bede managed to remain in his own monastery till his death. Only once did he leave for a few months in order to teach in the school of the Archbishop of York. Bede died in 735, reciting his favorite prayer, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as in the beginning, so now, and forever. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, which I'm always thrilled about. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Uh, you're welcome to email with anything on your heart. The number toll-free is one 511 5483 or email at mother@thestationofthecross.com. And again, you are always welcome to call or email anonymously if you wish. Uh, The heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And um, uh, I'm always thrilled to hear from you. We have an unusual question today, and it's from our very own beloved producer, James. He says, Mother, I've come across a number of comments on our videos in online communities from conspiracy theorists, theorists that insinuate the following. Number one. Your order, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, is a fake order and that, quote, no evidence of its existence or good standing can be found anywhere. That's, there's two points here. That's number one. You know, I smile at these things because so much, so much has come against us since we began under the invitation and leadership of Cardinal Raymond Lee Burke in St. Louis um, uh, I, I'm not surprised at it. I almost smile at these things. I don't know where people come up with them. I don't know what information, how they get it. But uh, our order, uh, how it, could we be under uh, 
a, a wonderful holy bishop like Bishop Joseph Strickland if we were fake. And the second point is that I am a fake nun and have no approval from any bishop and have had my vows permanently revoked. I don't know where these people come up with these things. Um, I find it amusing but sad uh, that instead of praising God for his works, uh, people find ways to negate them and put them down and not spend their own time growing in love and holiness. Um, this order was, was um, uh, brought into existence by uh, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke in 2008 in St. Louis, and uh, he was then Archbishop of St. Louis. He's now Cardinal. And um, we went, when Cardinal Burke went to um, Rome under Benedict XVI to head the apostolic signature, Bishop Edward Slattery invited me to Tulsa, and under Bishop Edward Slattery uh, in 2011, we took our first canonical step uh, to become a public association of the faithful, and I took my first vows, which are, are temporary vows, there. Since then, we've had, uh, since uh, uh, Bishop Slattery retired, we've had a rough time um, being put out at, uh, by a couple of uh, bishops, uh, different uh, times and different places. And uh, my final vows have been denied, canceled, or postponed uh, three different times. But my temporary vows say, um, and uh, Bishop Strickland, I'm going to announce this for the first time ever, just because of this uh, question here that James has brought up, um, Bishop Strickland will receive my final vows uh, this coming September 8th on the Feast of the Nativity of Our Blessed Lady, right here in the Diocese of Tyler. So I am I'm ecstatic. Um, I'm currently putting together a newsletter, and it will have all the information on September and final vows, and even how to come if you wish. Uh, I won't be sending out private invitations. I can't do that, but it, it'll be at the cathedral, and the cathedral is big enough that anyone who wishes can be there. So um, I'm very, very excited about that. But yes, we are canonical and um, uh, and approved. Uh, we have we're a, a, a nonprofit corporation, a tax deductible 501c3, all is well. All is well. And as far as my being a fake nun, that goes into all the uh, information I have just said. Um, I can't believe I'm a nun at all, uh, but I am because God has done it. And he chooses the foolish to confound the wise. So I am a happy, happy camper and um, get to wear this habit, which is assigned to God in the world. So the fact that I have no approval from any bishop is obviously false, and uh, that I've had my permanent vow, my vows permanently revoked is obviously false because I haven't yet taken my final vows. So how could they be permanently revoked? And my temporary vows have never been revoked. So I, I grieve for those who think this, that, that, have such hostility and animosity in them to uh, want to say such things. No evidence of the order's existence or good standing can be found anywhere. Well, this is absolutely false, completely false. We are in good standing, and there have been many articles and um, proofs to that end. So um, 
So James says, these people seem to be fully convinced that these things are true. Can you please comment on these things to put some of their doubt and speculation to rest? So I have, my dear James, uh, I bless you and thank you for this. I doubt it'll put anybody to rest who is bent on destroying the church and all that is good in it. We have an email from Christina who says, Hi, Mother. I find there are so many different translations and the New and Old Testament of the New and the Old Testament. What do you recommend? Your friend in Canada, Christina. Christina, I recommend the one that I use. It is the um, Revised Standard Version uh, Catholic Edition. Not the New, just delete anything that says New. Uh, the Revised, not the New Revised, but the Revised Standard Version. Um, Catholic edition, and the reason it's a Catholic edition, because there is a Revised Standard Version Protestant edition, but that is based on a truncated Bible, since Martin Luther in the 16th century single-handedly threw out seven books of the Old Testament and parts of other books, um, which our Lord had in the Septuagint, and from which he quoted. So uh, the full Bible given to the church um, the canon of scripture is um, the Catholic Bible and the, the most um, uh, accurate version I find, uh, not that I found, but that has been recommended to me that I've loved and used. It has the old language, the beautiful language of the Dewey Rames, and it's really beautiful. Uh, the Dewey Rames is also fine, uh, but I like the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition and it's published by Ignatius Press. We have an email from Elena <clears throat> who writes, Good morning, Mother. First off, I want to say thank you. Your podcast have been, has been life-changing for me and gives me great comfort. I was a lukewarm Catholic until about two years ago or so, and now I am making my Catholic faith my priority each day, attending church every week with my family, reading the Bible, and sending my children to Catholic school. Elena, this is such music to my heart. And she goes on to say, <clears throat> I have been struggling greatly in my marriage. I have four small children. My husband began using marijuana a year and a half ago. He will go weeks using daily. If he is home from work, he is high. His whole personality changes. It is like living with a different person. I want to mention that prior to marijuana uh, becoming legal in our state, my husband never used it before. When I married him, he never drank alcohol as well. When I first caught him using it, I was devastated. I grew up in a home with a dad that was an alcoholic, and I suffered greatly as a child, and even as an adult, with crippling anxiety and emotional issues as a result. His marijuana use is heightening my anxiety and bringing me back to my childhood years. Over the last year and a half, he will apologize, quit for a month, and go right back to it the next. I see a Catholic counselor every week because I'm experiencing PTSD, post-traumatic stress, um, uh, disease, I guess, is the D, I'm not sure, or dystrophy from this. As my child, oh, thanks, uh, post thank you, James, post-traumatic stress disorder from this. As my childhood memories are coming back, I'm trying to be a good Catholic and stay married 
and hold my family together. I do not argue with him in front of the children, and I try my best to carry on like I am not hurting, but inside I'm crumbling with panic attacks at night and fits of crying when my children are asleep. <clears throat> he is refusing to go to Catholic marriage counseling or individual counseling himself. He refuses to acknowledge he is addicted. I want to see your opinion on this. Am I supposed to just deal with his, this behavior, stay married, and try to manage my emotional distress? I feel such guilt that we are not giving my children a great example of a good Catholic marriage because of his addiction. I want to mention that my husband does not attend church uh, with us weekly, but I would say his faith is more lukewarm. He supports us financially and wants our children to attend Catholic schools, but I know he struggles with the faith of his mother, with the faith as his mother abandoned him at a young age and his father became an atheist after this. Do you have any advice for me? Thank you, as always, Elena. Yes, Elena. I'm going to tell you, without knowing, I'm not a prophet, I, 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 I can't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you that I believe that this is an attack from the enemy who doesn't invent things. He uses our weaknesses. He uses our woundedness. And since you came back to the church two years ago, and your husband has not, um, uh, and his faith is, is lukewarm at best, Jesus said, you're either hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. Your husband's faith is not strong. It's very weak. He is unfaithful to Christ. And you have come back to the church and you are making your Catholic faith a priority. And so the enemy, who has well left you alone these years, is now on high alert. And he's not going to let you be a successful Catholic mother and wife who is going to turn to God and raise your family Catholic and dare cause your husband to be converted. The enemy is in this full time, and it's no surprise at all. Anytime we turn to God, we need to be prepared for an attack, and we need to know our armor. Uh, read the chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, but on the full armor of God, and, um, and know that you are a prime en enemy, a prime target for the enemy. So what I propose you do, my dear one, Elena, don't even think of divorce, don't even think of leaving your husband, as long as he's not physically abusive to you or destroying your children in ways. That's not the issue. The way to deal with him, sweetheart, I understand your PTSD and your own woundedness from your childhood coming back strong. It's fine for you to see a good counselor, hopefully a Catholic counselor. That's fine for you, sweetheart. But um, your husband is the problem here. And his woundedness from his childhood is the problem. And he's resorting to escape, escaping his problem and his emotions and his memories and his failures through marijuana. Um, you grow strong, uh, not only get a counselor, get a good spiritual director or a good older woman who's a holy mother and a holy Catholic that could walk with you through this and help you to love your husband through this and not criticize him. You say you don't holler at him in front of the children. Don't holler at him even in private. 
Don't do that. The only thing that will bring him back is healing and love and understanding. It's the only thing that will bring your husband around and heal him. Pour your love out on him and know that the enemy is attacking you and God can make you strong for him. Don't crumble yourself. This has to be an act of your will not to crumble. God has given you a mission to save the soul of your husband and your family. And he, he's given you everything that you need for, for love and for wholeness and for godliness. Get a spiritual director, get a good Catholic, mature woman who can be with you daily and help you to respond and keep your household and help you raise your children. And uh, forget marriage counseling. Your husband needs a good loving counselor. And the only way he'll do that and come around possibly is through your love and forgiveness, Elena. God bless you, dear one. We'll be right back after the break. Please join us in a prayer to St. Anthony of Padua. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O dear protector, St. Anthony, on this day we direct our fervent prayer to you, asking you to hear us and to intercede for us. We are parents who ask for peace in our families, our worthy occupations, and our daily bread. We are children who ask for divine assistance and protection in the hope of a successful and happy future. We are the needy poor, the afflicted, and sinners who come to you for help and grace. Therefore, speak on our behalf to that child whom you hold in your arms, and we are sure of being heard. Amen. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Are you ready to take on the world of flesh and the devil with just the facts? This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Avam, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. God bless you. Keep the faith. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have 10 minutes. It's our final segment for this morning, and our lines are open. There's still time for you to call in if you wish. Uh, Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Garrett. 
Garrett says, greetings, mother. On this morning's show, and I guess it was another day Garrett was listening, <clears throat> you were discussing whether or not it was a sin for a mother to go to work. I was wondering what your thoughts were on men who stay at home with the children while the wife works outside of the house. Thank you, Garrett. Well, let me just say to begin with to clarify, um, I never said it was a sin for a mother to go to work. I never said that. What I have said is that it's God's design that the mother be home with her children. That is God's design. And if it's a married couple, the husband who is to be the breadwinner is to do everything possible, two jobs, uh, whatever he needs to do to allow his mother, to allow the children's mother, to allow his wife to stay home with the children and instruct them in the faith and keep the house. That is her role. Um, there are single mothers, and it's not usually, sometimes it's still possible for them to stay home, but not usually. So in that case, um, we are in a, we're in a fallen world, and we do the best we can. Um, so I don't tell you it's a sin. Every circumstance uh, calls for a different judgment, but it is God's design. And if we go out of God's design, it needs to be for a very grave reason. And Gareth says, I was wondering what your thoughts were on men who stay at home with the children while the wife works outside the house. It's the same answer. It's not God's design. God said the woman is to be the heart of the home and the mother, and the man is to be the head of the home and the father. And it is the woman who stays home and nurtures her children. God has made, as you know, men and women differently. They are not equal. They are equal in dignity, but not in role and not in gifts. God has given women the nurturing gifts to raise children. A child needs his or her mother. A child needs his or her mother. Uh, father staying home, diapering the children, feeding them, playing with them, teaching them is, is a good thing if there's no choice. But it's the children will not grow up as God is intended. They will not be as healthy as God has intended them because a man can't replace a woman. A father cannot replace a mother. Again, there are times a father is raising the children on his own. There are all kinds of uh, drastic circumstances, but I've heard from people that the husband stays home and the wife works because she earns a greater salary than him. So what? Hus husbands, if you let your wife work while you stay home with those children, because she earns much more than you can, shame on you. You are to be the breadwinner. You are to be the leader of that house. But my wife's a lawyer. She went to school. So what? He has children, and now she's a mother. She's a lawyer who is a mother, and mother comes first. And if she can practice a law down the line at home, or write papers, or do something from her background at home, that's fine. But she is the one to be home. And I don't care if you need to be a garbage collector and a street sweeper, uh, take three jobs. You need to provide for your family. It is not God's design. We have an email from Jennifer who says, God bless you, Mother Miriam. My husband, a former Protestant who recently converted to Catholicism, has been reflecting and deeply contemplating many things. <clears throat> one of them is this. Is the Protestant movement from its inception ordained by God? He believes he knows the answer, and even being a new Catholic, 
he cannot reconcile that it can be accepted, not such a breakaway from the original church. He is afraid he may be coming a Catholic zealot, but would be honored to know your thoughts on that. Many blessings and thanks sent your way, Jennifer. Jennifer, I pray that your husband is becomes a zealot. There's nothing wrong with being a zealot as long as you are um, healthy and balanced and you're zealous for what is true. Um, uh, nothing to fear here, uh, dear husband. The Protestant movement is not ordained by God. Absolutely not. Any more than the fall of Adam and Eve was ordained by God. The fact that God allows sin uh, and devastation does not equal his ordaining it. He does not. He gives people free will, and he has allowed it. The, the Protestant movement is one result of the fall of Adam and Eve turning from God and doing their own thing. Absolutely not ordained from God, by God. Um, uh, so, no, your husband cannot reconcile such a breakaway from the original church, and, and he shouldn't reconcile. There's no reconciliation for that. It is not ordained by God. Um, it is the fruit of men who fall into sin, and let their own fallen reason and their own passions. In Michael, in Martin Luther's case, uh, he left the church, as you know, and married a nun uh, who left her vocation. Uh, he had tremendous emotional problems, uh, demonic issues, all of that. Um, and God allowed it, uh, just as he allows our sin. Uh, but it absolutely is not ordained by God. Does God bring good out of it? Absolutely. In his grace, he works all things together for good. And um, while the Protestant Reformation, um, Protestant, uh, has, has uh, uh, resulted in tremendous uh, division and sin and devastation, uh, much good has also come out of it. Blessed be God. Um, because there may have never been such a reformation if Catholics who followed Martin Luther uh, into division, into schism, would have truly known their faith. In fact, during Martin Luther's own time, he taught that we have the resident Holy Spirit. He denied the papacy. Um, he denied that the church is the authoritative interpretation of scripture because we each of us has his own Holy Spirit and we can interpret scripture by ourselves. And within his own lifetime, the people who followed him rebelled against him because they didn't believe all of his teaching. And they said, but Martin, you've taught us that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Well, we have the Holy Spirit. We can come up with our own interpretation. While he was yet alive, they split umpteen times following his teaching um, and following his insertion into the Bible that we're saved by faith alone. We are saved by faith, but faith without works is dead, said James. We're saved um, by faith working through love, says Paul, and um, not by faith alone. He put the word alone in. And so great, great errors ensued from that. Um, but God has brought many Catholics back through Protestantism, Protestants who uh, who came, I came into the church, I came into Christianity as a Protestant. I didn't know about the Catholic Church, I didn't know about its origins, but I was led to Christ through very wonderful, faithful, uh, as far as they knew, evangelical Protestants. 
And it was 18 years later that God in his uh, unfathomable grace led me into the, as your husband would say, the original church, the true church that still exists and will always exist because our Lord said, I will build my church, not 50,000 denominations, but my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you and your husband are in that church as am I in the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News and millions of others. And our vocation is to live as if it's true, to hold back nothing. Shame on us if we hide the truth. Shame of us on us if we live in the world as if we are part of the world. And shame on us this Pentecost if we make Memorial Day celebration a greater priority than the Feast of Pentecost and the fast that we should have on Saturday. God bless you, beloved. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow.